0: Alright, hello fellow songwriters and welcome to the 20th episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast Where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process I am your host Trey Xavier and today I'm going to be talking to my boy Nick Nocturnal about how he writes songs Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid People ask me what DistroKid is and why do you need it? It's very simple. You listen to artists on platforms like Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Deezer, all of that. But how does their music get on there? Once upon a time, you needed some complicated distribution deals. But today, we have easily accessible independent distribution DistroKid. You upload your music to DistroKid and they put it on whatever streaming platforms you want it on. All of them, uh, just a, a couple, whatever you yep. like. And it's that easy. Simply put, DistroKid is the best way to get your music on the internet and you can get 7% off your first year membership with a special link in the description. So, now, please welcome my very special guest, Nick Nocturnal. Put your hands together. Hello! What up, dude? Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> to hang out with us I just realized I didn't have my little my little uh fucking party horn and applause queued up they're they're always late they're late to the party so it's fine they're always late late to the party no worries man I appreciate yeah thanks for having
1: me on the show I'm I'm stoked to to shoot the shit talk and and talk
0: (laughs) we're gonna shoot the shit and we're gonna talk so I hope you brought your shit shooting rifles I did so you got new music on the way out and on the way and you're a you're a prolific guy. You're putting out music in a uh, a couple different formats, different projects, different different stuff on top of putting out crazy content across multiple platforms in terms of social media. You're a busy boy.
1: Yes, it's it is busy. I mean, technically the uh, full scope is, you know, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok and then Instagram, Facebook, all that shit. And then um four ongoing original projects. Mixed in with that, that aren't related to those, but I utilize them all together, right? So,
0: hot damn. You don't sleep much, do you? <laughs> I sleep, I just don't have a life. <laughs> that's basically it. I just don't do much. I, but
1: I, I, I sleep, and sometimes I don't, but you know, I, I
0: people I, are like, Yeah, I got a hobby. Yeah. Yours is you that you sleep. Yeah. That's, that is, that is my
1: free time is, is basically sleeping. I mean, you know, it's, it's like what I do is what I would do in my free time and what I did when I was a teenager in my free time anyway. So, it's like, Yeah, it's nice to sometimes go out, which I do sometimes, but... You know, I basically do this for my whole life and you know grind and write music and do stupid content and that's it
0: <laughs> stupid content is the best kind oh yeah
1: i mean it's just fun it's relatable and you get to have a good laugh you know it doesn't have to be serious all the time people want to go on the internet and just like lamoo. that's basically it you know
0: yeah they want to LaMau. and they i, I LaMau at your stuff Thank you. when i get the chance to watch it i don't get to watch a lot of youtube you probably have experienced this as a creator you make a lot you don't get to watch other people's stuff all that much.
1: Yeah, that's something I've literally made. I force myself to make time for because that's how I grow. That's how I learn new things. That's how I see what innovations yeah. are going on. So even even on Twitch, like I'll take a stream where it's like, hey, like let's catch up on YouTube. Like let's check out all the creators we normally do. Let's see what they've been up to. Mm. Um, things like that because I think it's really important and even um on Twitch, at Friday night parties. That is the point of that to check out all the new music of that week. Otherwise, like I just wouldn't probably check out new music cuz like I just I don't have time other than like when when it's revolved around content. So, I've kind of blended those two worlds, so i forced myself to do it. So it's it's this healthy natural way where it's part of the content, it's part of the work is Learning about new content and stuff like that and new music and, and shit like that, so
0: and I feel like you've kind of done that, not kind of, that you've done that same general idea with the videos that where you like would do all of these riffs in a certain tuning, yes. a certain style or whatever, and it seems like that's an a really good way to both generate a ton of content and force yourself. To learn all kinds of uh, stuff, all these r- you've played every rip, every <laughs> fucking riff. You played one of my riffs in one of your videos. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, dude. Thanks for thanks for sharing that one, by the way. But um, uh, dude, oh, yeah, no, like, thank you. That's actually a big reason which people don't really realize why I, I love doing those videos, and then just like you know, I just I did so many, and then also just like copyrighted. I'm just like I have kind of stopped doing them as I, often. I'll do that maybe a couple times a year now. Um, but. Yeah, I loved doing those when I was doing it because, like, it forced me to listen to a lot of different music and learn riffs because, like, I was doing heaviest riffs. And, I mean, like as much as I'm a core dude, I, I mean, I had to go out and learn a lot of melodic death metal riffs, black metal riffs, you know, power metal riffs that are heavy and go hard as fuck. And I had to learn about a lot of these bands because I'd get suggestions. And even in tunings, you know, like, learning... Uh, there's not a lot of metalcore songs in in e-standard so like finding heaviest riffs in e-standard that was like a super cool experience it was it took a lot of time and drained me and i hated it (laughs) but it was really fun and uh, enlightening in that sense where i got to learn a lot of these different riffs and see how all the stereotypical cliches of specific styles because of playing so many riffs in those different styles being like oh like so if it's a melodic death metal riff, like that's kind of what makes it a melodic death metal riff, like these kind of little cliche things and these specific sounds or these specific intervals and same things with, you know, metalcore, or deathcore, or death metal riffs and like going through all these, these different things really helped me learn. Now it's like, if it's like, hey, Nick, go play a riff, like, okay, you know, I just can pick up my guitar and it's not too hard to,
0: to come up with a
1: riff if I have a specific style in mind, basically, which those videos helped like a lot with.
0: That's awesome um you yeah you you became an encyclopedia of riffs and styles and metal guitar styles to an i'm sure The. you're like a fucking little uh a generator you can just like (laughs) 1993 black metal go and you're like do you want more like over or like what (laughs)
1: yeah like i don't know exact dates but if it's like yeah old school black metal modern black metal stuff i'm like i kind of know what i You know, if it's like, hey, do more modern black metal. Okay, that's very, there's a lot of ambience based. I know there's very dark tritone intervals. There's a lot of key switching within thirds and stuff like that. So it's just like, okay, do that. Throw some crazy dark ambience on it. And you got, you know, throw some drums and there's your black metal, modern black metal song. (laughs) Boom.
0: Yeah. Hot damn, dude. So. On this podcast, there's really only one question. Okay. And then all the other questions are follow-up questions right. to the one question. So, let's kick it off. The question is, and this is going to be for all of your projects. You know, you can describe each of them a little a little bit if you like. You know, you've got Termina, Nick Knock, what were the what were the other two? You said four total.
1: Yeah, Termina, Nick Knock, I got my project with Phil from All Our Mains 2000s Metal. Right. And-, and I mean I still have just big nocturnal know. like regular stuff, which you know, I can be I'm mean, gonna eventually go back and do some stuff with that. But, but then also just recreating songs, remaking them into you know, modern ways, whatever it might be, whether it's like you, you know, technically, technically I guess covers in that sense, but
0: gotcha. Okay. So the question is what is your normal, your usual songwriting process and how is it in if in any way different in the new stuff that you've been putting out, like the most recent things?
1: Yeah, I'm a guitarist. I mean, a lot of people don't know that, but I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I, I am a guitarist. I do play guitar sometimes. So I, I'm a riff dude. Like I, I'm very much like I sit here and I start with a riff like that usually is what builds most of these songs. You'd start with something fun, some kind of style. You're just noodling and having fun. You're like, that's sick. Like that's very much still the OG way of how I write a lot of this stuff. Um, and how I used to write, that's that's still a very common thread right. is you know, having a good riff. Like if your riff sucks, then like I don't know. That's that's you know, I'm, I'm not as much a start chorus and then build riffs around it. I still like to build riffs first and build a verse and something that's pushing and then build a chorus after that is huge and uplifting and whatever, dark, or whatever the fuck fits the vibe. Yeah. But I'm a riff first kind of dude, and with that I take into account in melody and technical fun ability, something that stands out that's gonna be an earworm. But usually something that's kind of heavy and, and fun and just contagious, that's that's my go-to. I always start with a, with a riff for Termina. For anything where I'm the guitarist, where I'm the vocalist for Nick Knock, that's different. For the song industry, I did start with a riff, which is kind of funny, actually. I still took the guitarist mindset, even though I'm the vocalist. But for that, it was much more getting a, you know, I'm working with a producer. And that's the only thing I've ever worked with a producer for, is getting a beat and then writing vocals and then adding guitars as like this more extra layer, that kind of spices everything so that's mm, that's a different thing but it's it's like 95 percent of the time I start with a riff 5% I'll think of a melody and maybe I'll play it on like kind of MIDI something piano or a synth and then like build off that which I then create a riff out of <laughs> right or something like that <laughs> and it's very rarely drums. But not to discount rhythm because sometimes I think of something rhythmically and then that inspires the riff. But I'm not thinking of it rhythmically in terms of drums. I'm just thinking of it like right. in terms of just like a groove and how I want to approach it with a riff. But yeah, drums first is very rare for me in, in that case.
0: So what's the next step though? You come up with a riff. Right. Where do you go from there? what What's the process? Yeah. So this is something
1: that took me a long time to kind of get used to. When I was Before I was like, I tried to just... Oh, this is a cool riff. This is a cool riff. This is a cool riff, and you know sometimes they don't fit. And then you know you, that's that's the biggest writer's block myself I've ever had is when I have a lot of ideas, but then they're not blending together. And then you're like, well, what do I do? Um, and I feel like that's a lot of writer's block that usually people get is 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 that. And then the other one is obviously no ideas at all, just like or or maybe sometimes they have so many ideas that they can't actually go with one and, and feel it or get innovated. Um, I'm lucky because, like I said, most my career choice is to listen to new music is to do all this stuff so i'm always around these new things these new inspiring different styles i also just listen to a lot of different types of fucking weird music like a lot of times when i'm like doing a lot of deathcore content i'm actually listening to lo-fi because like I-, I always need something to kind of counteract like what i'm doing at all content wise like if i'm doing like a deathcore week i'll like listen to lo-fi <laughs> and, like on my own time or like jim and if i'm doing more chill stuff then again i'll be kind of reverse i'll like listen to heavy as fuck shit and like Everything in between. So um yeah, I, I like having that variety. And because of that, essentially I, I, I'm able to start with a riff. And the biggest concept that I, I will always tell anyone is when you have something special, whether it's a riff or a specific melody or a specific melody within the riff or a groove, is to commit. And this is something I had to learn. It took me so long to learn, is the idea is there, and you're writing it, and you go with the natural flow of things. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start to fuck with the flow, is when the writer's block kicks in for all the verses and the choruses and things like that. Because what's happening is you're trying to make the song something it's not. So I'm always like, mm-hmm. I always have to now. At least I learned that it's like you revert back to okay, what what started the song? It's this riff. Like I have this weird chorus now that's kind of like this triplet-y thing, which is cool. It's sick. And it can flow, but, like, it's forced. So I'm like, my this is where my brain now is starting to cut off with this working. And, I, and then I'm trying to get the writer's block for myself. So that's something, I, a huge skill I started to learn is to go back. What is the thing that I want to take from this? I want to take the riff still. Okay. Go back. What's more natural? So I'll take my guitar, play the riff, and I'll almost just jam as if, like, I'm playing in front of a live audience trying to improvise and, like, see if I can. And sometimes it happens where I literally will play a whole song, like, from start to finish, just from one riff, and just go, 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 where I force myself not to stop. And then I'm like, done. That's all this, that's like the structural, that's where I want to go with. Like, a, that riff I make sense here. Then I want to go into some kind of breakdown thing or some kind of, you know, more riff thing or some kind of more back-end thing, more production-focused. Then a chorus, and then this, 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 then the climactic point, the bridge. That has happened a good amount of times, and when that happens, I'm like, I don't fuck with it, Nick. Like, just, no, like, there's this is a reason it, it worked like that. It works like that. So kind of go with the flow. And then, then that's the hardest thing is I always try to build a structure. That's number one. Like a structure that is cohesive, that tells a story from start to finish, usually within riffs. But yeah, it's, it's really just like commit to the riff. That's the biggest thing is this is what I want or this is the theme or this is the melody. I, you, gotta, you have to let the art do its thing. Don't change the art for what what you created there don't don't fuck with it it's there it's it's special and got your attention for a reason right you can spice it but don't change it from what it is don't deviate from the path as soon as you start doing that that's that was the worst thing for me and then i'd create these weird proggy cool like you know prog stuff but like it wasn't good (laughs) so i was like (laughs) it, it would just sound like a bunch of different riffs instead of like no like I'm my brain is trying to do something very technical but this riff is not technical this is a chill good catchy riff why am I trying to make this something it's not just because I feel like oh I need to add more you know technical ability who cares does it sound good do I like it commit to it or scrap the idea and do a different idea that is the biggest concept I learned through riff writing that I even taught students when I was teaching online is like I'd sit there with them and they'd be like how do you write same thing you know that 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 would happen I'd be like okay can you write a riff they're like yeah That's usually not the hard thing for a lot of people is writing a riff, weirdly enough, right? Is like the first starter riff. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit here with you on Zoom or whatever we would use, fucking Discord or whatever it was, (laughs) um, for five minutes. And I want you to not stop, like, straight the fuck up. Like, I don't care if you think the next idea sucks. I just want you to go and see what comes out naturally. And they'd be surprised a good chunk of the time. They'd be like, they just wrote a song. And they've never written a song before ever. Meanwhile, they just wrote this whole structured song. Because they listen to music, they consume music, they know what they want, they know where they want the things. It's just their brain fucks with them a lot of the time and gets, gets in a way because you feel like, oh, this part has to be like this or has to be like this. No, what feels right, go. And then if you start like that, you can start writing songs like that. Sure, it's not going to be like virtuoso and super crazy and maybe sometimes won't be unique, right? But you will get songs done. And that is huge in this in in this perspective of starting the song right. At least that's the thing I teach for sure when I when I was doing that. I know that was a lot. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. That uh, that's that's great. I want a lot. I want the I want those nitty gritty details. That's why we do this. Yeah. I like. I want to. There's no. Right. No detail too small for this. This is about the process. So that's fucking gold. But what I'm taking from this more than anything else is rather than looking forward and trying to come up with something new all the time you're looking backwards to the thing that the, – the inception of the idea, the thing yes. that inspired you in the first place, the thing that made you go like, oh, this is worth writing a song yes. based on Let's Fucking Go, Yes. Um, and you just keep going back to that. Yeah.
1: Some of my best written songs by far are ones I wrote in a day, easily, yep. because it was mm-hmm. just boom, 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 boom. I didn't, I didn't have to think too much. It just – fire. And then later I go back once I – again – I'm talking structurally. If you've got a structure and you got some riffs, you can go back later and then spice, but it's easier to tell if things are broken than when you start to fuck with stuff, right? If it's like, well, this mm-hmm. I know this works. So, okay, I have, a, uh, I have a foundation now. So now you can add the things on top of the foundation. You can spice up riffs. You can alter things, add production, you know, spice up drums, spice up all this stuff. But you, it's much easier to tell if you go too far off the deep end when you already have mm-hmm. the foundation there. Um, so that's something that again, just, it, it, that was the biggest thing, thing for me when it came to write that, like changed my entire life when it came to writing music.
0: I think people underestimate the value of great cohesion in a song. Things yes. like working together, like you said, to tell a story and not just, uh, part, 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 part. Yeah.
1: Cause you can, you can always, you can do the, the, the time old one, which I've, I've had to resort to. You can do the pause. Because that's the toughest thing is transitions, right? For How do you go from one part to the next? You can make anything work with a pause. Like, you can literally make it work. Like, if you need to make it work. But if all your songs are pauses from one part to the next, it, you're, it's going to get old, it's going to get boring, it's not exciting. So if you have to resort to the pause for once in a while, go for it. Because if the, if the <laughs> two ideas, even though they're kind of battling each other, they thematically work together, and you just need a transitional thing, like a pause or a, a lo-fi thing or a fa- whatever there's so many transitional um tools you can kind of use in songwriting that really make things blend together but if with if you can make a song from start to finish blend with no transitional tools that's when you're like okay
0: that that's gold that's when it like
1: this fucking works then fuck with
0: it it's not like the Beatles had a reverse symbol sample that they could use in every. Yeah, there's no transitional things like, like <laughs> reverse stuff and, and whatnot, right? Yeah, it's or like a you know like a reverse eight hundred eight swell <laughs> yeah. in uh, like Strawberry Fields or whatever. Like people wrote music for hundreds of years that was great without any of those kinds of production yes. transition tools and stuff like that. And then if you lean too heavily on the on stuff like that you're going to have a bad time, but it's, yeah, it's important. Like I find that a lot of amateur songwriters will uh, be obsessed with transitions, like making sure that their transitions yes. are real, or like they don't know how to do it. And they're like, Oh, how do these bands do such great transitions? They're so worried about it. And it's because they're trying to hack together a bunch of ideas that don't fit. Exactly. And, and so they wind up with all these stops, just like you're saying. Like they lean on the stop. Yeah, and you and this this doesn't have to be a basic thing you start with. You can start with like a really technical. Like I've
1: myself been in the perspective of writing some songs where it's like I want to almost write a classical piece, right? But I and like a progressive song, but I also want repeating motifs and themes that come back, right? Like I like repeating choruses because that's the thing that ties together, and also just another transition, like another tools. Like I like at the end bringing back, like let's say I end with a breakdown, right? But then I'll bring back a lead layer or something that was also previously in the song and layer it so it really feels like, oh, we're all, this all now it all comes together. And if I know it can all come together in this nice package where I can put any of the, not any, but like I have a good choice of layers and themes and guitar parts and drum parts from previous parts within the song that all can blend together at the end. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, a, this is cohesive. Like I can tell this is cohesive because these themes work together. And that's something I feel like a lot of modern metal, especially metalcore bands, they're doing these choruses for the sake of the chorus instead of it being like, oh, this makes sense. And that's why a lot of people are always complaining, like, oh, here's the whiny fucking chorus. Like, no, it's not always just because there's high singing and then the part before was like, dun, dun, dun. You know, it's it's yeah. literally just because like, it just didn't fucking blend and they just threw it in there because they just thought they had to throw it in there instead of it being this natural thing, which you can, you can make... A chorus that has high singing right next to a disgusting ass deathcore breakdown work, but you have to thematically blend those ideas together where it feels like a natural progression.
0: Not just because the guitar player was like, "Well, I want my girlfriend to be able to come to the shows and have a good time." Yeah, like I sing in my I sing in my church worship group, and it's like pretty. I'm like pretty good. I think I can do it. <laughs> yeah, that, Yeah, no, exactly.
1: Like it, it has to. It has to co- be a cohesive. Like, that's number one. Like, if you can make a cohesive structure and foundation, and again, this all time to what you asked, like, starting with a riff, in my case, a lot of the times, then you have something, right? And sometimes I've written stuff and it's so basic, bitch, and I'm just like, okay, well, I have a foundation. Now let's spice it. And I've spiced it to the point where I'm like, this is now bad, actually, because the idea <laughs> I actually had was not meant for this. This was meant to be a song for the vocalist to have the focus, right? And I have to dial it back as a guitarist and be like, okay, do I, like, do I just not like this song or or am I fucking this up? So I'm like, no, like, okay, the original idea just not, is not the bigger picture vision I actually want, even though on its own, it's good. And um, I've, I've had that happen too, where I'm just like, oh, oh shit, like this just, this, this is a cool idea. And something I always say too is give the art what it deserves and, 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 the, and the riff, like in the sense of just finish the idea at least, even if it's bad, like. Just fucking finish it, because then it's not in the back of your head forever. Well, how do I use this same riff that I've been using for the past two fucking years? And then you do it in all these different ways. Like, there's a reason that riff came about. And it, it can happen where you finally find the right thing that clicks with it. You know, you go back into the demos file and all that. And you're like, oh, this is what I was meant to work with it. But most of the time, just like, does it work? Boom go with the idea try to bring it to fu- fruition in like the sketchiest way possible but at least the full idea doesn't work no okay bye idea you know let's let's move the fuck up keep it in the demo bank right but at least that's the idea fledged out in the demo bank that you can come back and see it in a different perspective fully Instead of just this one riff that haunts
0: you, which I know so many guitarists just always have these
1: these fucking riffs that just haunt them forever because they
0: don't know how to deal with them. Every guitar player has a riff graveyard, yes, of ones that didn't didn't make the cut or whatever. Great. actually, I talk about this on just about every episode. I think it, it gets brought up a lot. I interview a lot of guitar players. I should I should probably find some keyboard players or, or other people who write songs, but yeah, they, <laughs> they're all like like, yeah, like you have the riff that you fucking love this great riff and it doesn't fit anywhere. And yeah. you just, you try it on all these different songs and like, and that's because you, you, you can't just have a thing that's great by itself and then not like, and just find a home for it. You know, like a singer who has a beautiful voice. But, like, I don't know, has a fatal flaw, like a huge drug problem or something, and they keep trying to be in all these bands. Yeah. that's like the riff, you know, yeah, sometimes it just it just lives in the riff graveyard. It's a ghost, a riff ghost.
1: Yeah, and it's good to get weird because that's when you get some of the most unique ideas, but like it's so much riskier to start with a riff and then want to get weird right away instead of let's build a foundation and then let's add the weirdness after and then adapt and get and get spicy and crazy and see how far we can push it that's where you can just have so much more more fun honestly and and, and then also the like a lot of guitarists forget specifically from the guitarist songwriter point of view like you don't have to be the fucking focus all the time right like your drummer like do some maybe your, your guitar part can literally be the most basic bitch thing but this is because the drums are doing some of the coolest most unique things ever right now or the production is or the vocalist, right like you have to take it from the approach of a full picture songwriter instead of just i'm a guitarist I want all the riffs to always be the craziest fucking thing because like you're not seeing the bigger picture sometimes and it's so much harder just to force that to work and you're going to get writer's block way more often unless you've been doing it like again unless you've been doing this for like fucking 20 you know 15 20 years and you're able to adapt and easily identify here's a crazy riff this works with this crazy riff okay this works with this crazy riff and you just know you're just like okay cohesive done right but I'm talking more the general sense of where I always even myself like I said when I was teaching I get like well I can't you know I, I get writer's block I, I don't know i start with a cool riff what do i do that's more so the sense or the people i'm talking to in that sense
0: at what point would you say for the new terminus in single mm-hmm. single for example right at what point do you go all right this is enough of an idea for me to send over to andy when i got the structure when you got the structure in place cohesive structure
1: yeah um sometimes i'll like if i'm feeling really inspired like i'll get the cohesive
0: structure and then i'll start spicing
1: it. i'll add some production along the way which is good again but that's because i've already been i've been doing this for a while so i'm able to be like this part right now i want to go all out right so i'll, I'll go all I'll add the fancy drums because i have an idea for the drums and all production the problem is when you're doing that while you're structure building which you can do is that you'll listen to the song back and you'll be like Oh, here's, the so- here's this part of the song that has all the drums all finessed and perfect and has all the ghost notes and shit and all the production. But then the next part is your chorus that you didn't amp up yet. So now it's jagged and you don't actually know if the ideas blend and you have to spice up all of the parts of the songs before you can actually see if it works instead of having the foundation know it works and then spice it bit by bit and then, you know, it's adapt. That's, 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 that's a thing where it's like, it can get really weird if you spice this one part really intensely. But then you can't conceptualize the next part without it already being spiced. You don't know how it'll blend because you, you're, you're trying to attain something that you, it's going to take you three hours for this next part when you don't even know
0: it'll fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've accidentally overcommitted yourself. To yes. making it too too fancy before you've got the meat of the ideas. Exactly. Okay, so um, so you came up with the basic structure for the new song, which is called Translucent. Great song, sounds uh, fucking cool. Jamming that uh, Aristides in the uh, in the video. Mm-hmm. So like when you had that basic structure finally, and you were sending it off to Andy, what did it sound like as a demo? Did it have programmed drums and guitars and bass or was it just rhythm guitars or what what did it maybe round about i do at least
1: guitars and drums i don't include bass sometimes (laughs) i just like like like, whatever it's adding more of a frequency unless there's a specific bass part that goes off like let's say there's a dropout and like the bass is doing some funky weird shit which some of the terminus songs do have then i'm like okay well i I need to put this because that's that's the focus right there i always make sure that the focal points are there at least um, when I'm sending him the structure, but I want to make sure it's all structured out so he gets the gets the vibe, which is a zoomery way of saying it, but he gets the sense of kind of what's happening and what I want to go for instrumentally, even if it's not pretty yet. You know, all prettied up and, and all fancied up. He gets the idea that I'm trying to convey fully.
0: Gotcha. So once he's got it. He does his thing. We had him on a few months back for monument stuff. So I got a pretty good idea of his general working process and all that. Right. Will you go back and forth a couple times? Like, will you change things up or is it mostly the structure sticks that you came up with in the first place?
1: Yeah. Sometimes we'll go back. Uh, there's only been a couple songs where we've had to fully like redo it and rework, which is like fine. You know, that's totally cool. Uh, but usually the structure sticks but we adapt a few things because i need the vocalist perspective right like i was i'm not really a vocalist so i need to this but well and working with andy now like we've kind of had this built-in synergy where we we kind of know what we're gonna do like i'll do a specific guitar thing and like i kind of like i kind of know what andy's gonna go to for it and and some he does sometimes and sometimes he doesn't do does something different i'm like okay and when he's like dude i have like this really cool idea but you need some. can you like switch this around so i can pull it off i'm like sure Right, because that, that's fine. Like, if, if he knows that he'll pull it off, then I don't care. Like, that's his focus point right there anyway. So, like, I'll dial back. Like, let's say the guitar is too fancy here or something, and he needs me to dial back for a second, I'll dial back because I know he's going to he's gonna fill in the space. And that's kind of that bigger picture thing and making sure there's always, like, some kind of focal point and, and the space is being filled in some capacity where people don't just get fucking bored, right? So,
0: well, yeah, I'll, I'll do the instrumental,
1: and then when I finish the demo, we'll go back and forth, and he'll tell me kind of what he needs, and I'll be like, what i was thinking vocally even for some parts where i'm like i wrote this guitar part so you do this vocally like in um translucent the pre-breakdown that little space i'm like you know this is for your call out right and he's like yeah i'm like (laughs) it's like you know what i mean like i wrote that space so he does the call out like things like that where it's like i know you're gonna fill this space so it's like i i literally left it even blank in that capacity right so like because i want you to just i want to just be you um he's like oh okay sure so that's where we do work together in that sense, go back and forth. And then he'll he'll do all the vocals and, you know, sometimes just scratch tracks. But usually he, like, he goes pretty all out because when he records, he makes sure it's all done. He gets the full, full vision, even further than when I go. And he'll send it back to me. And I'm like, okay. And then we do the same kind of thing. Like, he'll okay, go back and forth. Like, I'll be like, oh, okay, these are, these vocals really inspired me to do something a little differently with this guitar part now. And be like, so let me do that. And then, you know, how, how does that feel? You know, does that still blend? Perfect. Or like... Oh, because I changed this guitar part. Do you mind messing with this vocal part a little? Because I think this will actually push it even further. Because again, this is all... As you're adapting a song, you keep getting more and more context of the final product, right? Which is the hardest part is to get to the final product. You don't know what it's going to sound like or what you're even going for sometimes. So you continuously need more and more context. And every little layer, every little part you add, adds more context to your brain seeing the full picture. So as you get more context... You get more inspired to do more different things to add additional whatever layers, guitar parts and all this shit. So sometimes, you know, that's something that sounded really basic turns into this big, crazy, like, holy shit thing at the end. Because you have the foundation, which is basic, but then you guys keep inspiring each other going back and forth, right? So that's our usual thing. But now we have two new elements with this, which also add way more context and up the game, which is Chris Turner on drums. As well as Zach Cervini giving us a real fucking incredible mix, which is something we just did ourselves, which we did not have, you know, we we did what we could (laughs) with the mix, right? So those all even mixing adds a new context of whether a part fits or not, which is weird, right? It's mixing and obviously production itself. So all these things sometimes are like, oh, this now makes this part work, or this now makes doesn't make this part work. And sometimes you have to dial it back, sometimes you have to change the parts themselves. But at least you know if you ever have to go back to the drawing board. That foundation you set works. That's what you need. That's why I keep saying, "Who cares if it's basic, bitch? Even does the foundation work? Because then building on top is not too hard to to you know take out a block here and there. But it's really hard to go to the bottom and destroy it because then it destroys everything else you've built, right? Or change something at the bottom.
0: Songwriting with Minecraft. (laughs) Yes, songwriting
1: with Minecraft. Exactly, exactly.
0: Sometimes I find that if I don't have like some kind of basic decent sounding mix going even with just like a like an easy mix master bus on it so i can hear everything i feel like i'm lying to myself a little bit cuz when you get that final or even a, a a preliminary mix back from a real mix engineer yeah the microscope is on every little thing you can suddenly hear all the little and then you go like oh fuck that was not as cool as i thought it was
1: either. i literally for the longest time because i didn't know how to record both at the same time i should just then i just googled it one day a fucking idiot of me i refused to record the eyes because i only wanted to record with tone to give me context yeah and then i was like oh i can do both at the same time i'm a fucking idiot
0: oh
1: yeah because i needed the context i needed to hear how this sounds with the tone and same thing now working on nick knock vocally i need to have it with with a vocal chain with with Actually, all I really do is fucking compression and EQ. Um, and uh, that's really it. But I need to have that on to have the context. And then when I'm listening back, I'd like to hear how it sounds. Does it sound good with everything else so far? Awesome. How does it sound solo? Now, not everything sounds good solo. Sometimes you need the mix, obviously. But if it also sounds good soloed, then it's like, check mark, good, move on. Like that's kind of the mindset. But yeah, absolutely. Like I need. Even with uh, when I start a new project, I start with a default mix. Every single time I start with my default mix because I need something to to grab onto and grasp the sounds and the frequencies and then let the writing process be much more natural um, and not have to worry about, oh, well, will this sound good mixed? like Well, if it sounds good with this sketchier mix, then it's definitely going to sound better when it's fully mixed usually most of the time
0: <laughs> yeah i mean there's only so many assumptions you could possibly make about that but yeah usually especially if you're working with somebody that you already know what they can do you're like okay they're gonna do this thing with it it's gonna sound like this you kind of project forward a little bit
1: it's a very big psychological game when sight one song right even guitar is a psychological instrument right and vocals oh my god that is out of anything the most psychological instrument is, is is vocals as far as i've i've been learning and all this stuff so like it's a lot of your brain just fucking hating you <laughs> a lot of the time, and just like it you know you yourself causing the blockage in that sense and your brain getting ahead of itself or just being like "Nope, you know, and a change of perspective is sometimes literally all you need, or context with something is all you need to like just make it all go check mark, check mark, check mark, click done, you know what I mean it's, it's weird, it's a weird thing,
0: <laughs> so you as we've discussed you have played every goddamn riff on the planet you played them all i've seen it didn't you You put out one that was a compilation of like 500 riffs right yeah well that was the thing is like i
1: I never really redid re-uploaded content once i did it once like in that sense like if i did a cover like i never redid a cover um but i was like look i did all my heaviest riffs like and like they added up to a compilation of 500 riffs so i was like this needs to be like even though it's like it's just a compilation basically of all my heaviest riffs i'm like i need to make this into like a full video and it ended up being two hours and funny story with that video (laughs) um even though you record everything again you can sometimes get copyright claim manually and stuff like that for one riff out of the two hour video you know 10 10 seconds so i was like fuck you and i just cut out that segment because i'm like there's no way in hell I Like, everyone else is fine, but this one fucking publisher is just on my ass on this. Hell no. Just get out. Um, and luckily, that's why I always put, even though it's 500 riffs, I actually include 505. And I always <sighs> overdo the riffs that I, actually, that I actually say in the title, just mm-hmm. for that. That took my... Uh, my video was offline for two days back and forth because it was trimming out that 15 seconds of the two-hour video. But... It came back. It's fine, and it's been growing, and no complaints. But that was not fun when I was doing that. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> Rough beans. Like people don't understand. As YouTubers, we ha- we go through that shit. We're like, look, I just want to come on. Uh, but all that to say, you've you've played at le- learned at least five hundred riffs, at least, oh, and th- at and least, then and yeah. then many more. That's just just in that series, five hundred riffs. You've examined them, you've broken them down, you've had to think about it in many, many different ways. What is it that you think makes a riff heavy? Oh, that's a good question, huh? That's
1: a good fucking question.
0: What makes a riff heavy is
1: not as much the riff, sometimes more the more mainly the drums. A lot of people would be actually surprised when it comes to a riff groove obviously can, can contribute. I mean, just technique-wise, like, again, I'm getting very particular, like, like specific things that punch things out, like palm muting, obviously. Like, these things contribute, definitely. But, and, and actually one, which I know a lot of this is a big discussion, tuning, right? Does this lower tuning make something heavier? Yes, but to a very minimal amount. The lower the tuning adds, the more lower frequencies, which for some reason we just think as human beings as, as heavier, bassier, thicker right but the main thing that lower tuning adds heavy wise is not even the frequencies it's the natural stylistic difference in play style of those riffs that people do in lower tunings to adapt to those frequencies that just are inherently use heavier techniques and rhythms and grooves and melody, I think, can contribute to a point too. Like darker melodies, for some reason, also contribute to our brain. It seems to a, a heaviness. Like if something has a dark interval or a dark melody, that also contributes to this weird sense of heaviness. But if I had to say the biggest one, it's literally drums and mix more than a guitar, I would say.
0: Controversial, yet so brave. <laughs>
1: I, yeah. That's that's that. Again, just after doing all this, that's what I noticed the most. I've had, even in my heaviest riff series, I've had songs in drop c that were way heavier than the songs in drop e that's just it is but because those songs were in drop c were just written with such specific punchy techniques and 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 incredibly groovy bass things and dark melodies that helped push it and also like that's the thing like heavy riffs like sometimes late like drums but even like ambient layers and shit like add heaviness like it's, it's like production it's this bigger picture thing that makes a riff heavy and that's something i had to learn too because because i'm remaking all these riffs and i have to remake all the elements like i have to get the midi drums i have to get the midi bass i sometimes realize with some of them these riffs that i thought were really heavy when i just hear them with the guitar tabs i'm like this is a bitch riff (laughs) It's it's kind of a bitch like it's a little bitch like it's not that that the riff itself is not actually fucking heavy at all it's everything around it that makes it sound heavy
0: and that was a big realization for me when doing that series. That like, it fucking blew my mind. So, with that in mind, and all the stuff that we've talked about, what do you think is the single heaviest riff of all time? The number one.
1: Oh my god, dude, this is impossible. Like, I can't.
0: <laughs> I'm putting the I'm putting you to the screws to you right now. This is the.
1: <laughs> I think one of the, one of the heaviest riffs. Like, if I had to include in my top 10, like, okay, if I, I'll give you top 10 heaviest riffs. Is that better? Cause I feel like this is, this is, okay, I'll give you top 10. Okay. Stricken by Disturbed. People might be surprised by that. One. That riff inherently just grew and, and the force and the energy it has intrinsically and how the drums match with it. Holy fucking shit. It just makes you go hard. Like, it's it, it, it just it. Bleed by my sugar. I mean, fucking, <laughs> that was kind of obvious. August Burns Red whitewashed the intro breakdown. Go so hard, but that's again—is it really a riff or is it a breakdown? And this is—these are all questions I had to ask myself when I was doing this. Like, is that a riff? Is that a breakdown? Where's the line? And I started realizing that there is a very fine line, but some breakdowns are riffs and some riffs are technically breakdowns, right? And it gets a little weird. Um, but that uh, domination by Pantera easily, but again, that's kind of a breakdown. Like it's done, you know, during the the two step part where he's just chugging. Like that's a really fucking heavy riff. I think obviously like I like a lot more classic stuff too, like Metallica, Enter Sandman, is just inherently a heavy riff with just like the pulse and, and, and even the melody choices and the groove and stank to it. Um And then other than that, fully fucking shit. If I had to go now low-tune stuff more so, Valzarta just wins. I think, I think out of any band, I think they just like they just make the heaviest riffs. Like I'm sorry. Because they have these. These, it's all the rhythm stuff it's the rhythm and the layering with the ambience and the space and the contrast because they'll have this disgusting drop c1 riff but then they'll have this beautiful ambient stuff and people don't realize a lot of time that when you put something really fucking disgustingly heavy mixed in with something that's the completely polar opposite but they blend that makes it even heavier because you see the contrast versus like a lot of these death core bands everything's heavy so at the same time nothing is heavy right so th- mm-hmm. those to me are always the riffs I've seen the most when there's ambient layers or things like that and groove with a really sick, fucking just cool, fun to play riff that has a you know a little noodly, but not too much. Those are like to me the top of the top of heaviest riffs usually.
0: Sweet. Did we get 10? Was that 10? I don't know. I kind of just I just said more <laughs> of a general thing at the end. But no, it's yeah. good. You got at least five and then Peter Dad, i like that
1: yeah yeah and then and then more of that because there's so many like people in Ch- like black yeah. sabbath obviously it has incredible heavy riffs like eh, there's there's so fucking many but like that general sense and that description of combining something that isn't so heavy with something that is gnarly heavy with groove oriented things and the drums and the production will add to it and this angst and this energy that is really what creates like just a heavy ass riff for me
0: awesome that's a good. That's a good answer. You've. I like that you th- you've thought about it, and you're, you're almost reticent to give an answer because y- you know too much. Yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. You're, like- th- you've <laughs> you've looked at it from every angle, and you you still don't real. You can't commit to one answer because there's so much good shit out there. Yeah, because there, there's there's
1: awesome. also there's different types of heaviness. Even though I kind of am bringing it down to emotional heavy heaviness as a response because something can be so emotional and it'll bring this heavy feature and that's why i get a lot of ambient work and a lot of things like baljarza like that's disgustingly low tuned, sure but it's emotionally heavy because of the soundscapes they're bringing with it that just translate and actually make you feel right that's the heaviest of heavies is when you feel it and you feel like it within you when you're like holy shit that that
0: hits that to me beats any
1: riff that just sits there and does chugs just for the sake of doing
0: chugs (laughs) i think that heavy is a feeling it that's what it is it it's it gives you the the feeling of heavy it's not just like if nobody's hearing it it's like if a riff drops in the in the forest yeah (laughs) if a breakdown drops in the forest and there's no way to hear it it's not heavy by itself it's heavy when it hits your ears and your body Mm mm-hmm Um, yeah. And sometimes like the correct emotional setup, like with a lyric, with some kind of call out beforehand or some kind or a a build that makes it make sense. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think it's a really good answer and something that people don't really consider, especially like, I don't know, anytime somebody says, emotion or emotional in the context of music everybody who listens to heavy music immediately thinks of emo yeah as if <laughs> yeah, like yeah. as if whining is the only way to express emotion but like dark anger heaviness like all these things these are all emotions and you're trying to evoke an emotional response in your listener anytime you're making music so it makes perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah. There's so many bands that, like Deathcore bands, like I said, that will tune to the lowest of lows and do the like just constant verse. <laughs> and it'll be like, it'll be aggressive, right? Like extremely aggressive, but it doesn't translate emotionally as much as something that maybe is less aggressive, but is more toned and layered with all these different elements that just, that just, again, it's more of an intrinsic dark feel that that grants that heaviness instead of just how many notes or how fast.
0: With that in mind, how do you choose a tuning for a song that you're working on for any of your projects? Like how do you decide? Like you're playing an eight string in the in the new one, yeah? Yeah. Uh eight string in e in drop E. So very basic eight string kind of tuning. Um
1: yeah when it comes to tuning, that's something I mean I just like I, I think of it more as like what range of frequencies do I want to utilize? But also, pitch pedals exist. So it's, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, I, even on the new terminal album, there's songs that are in drop E, but then I pitch shifted down to drop A0, and it's like, okay, well, like... That's for an emotional gauge, whereas like it did, if I did the whole song in drop A0, I feel like it's just too, too low. So, like, for me, I take and consider, like... Especially the sound we're going for, the mix, even at the end, and, like, what's going to really come through and how I want it to come through. Like, if I have a song that's more... Lead oriented or uh, more riffy, even, I tend to tune a little higher because I want those things to come out a bit more, and I don't want, you know, I don't need as much emphasis on lower frequencies, like bass frequencies, to to pack the heaviness punch. I'm utilizing a bit more higher notes and stuff like that. So that's that's when I would tune slightly higher. But if I want, and same thing the other way, like if I wanted to, like this is just going to be a gnarly, just like dun dun, you know, like slammy song um But I also have to take into account how fast things are, because if things are fast and they're in a really low tuning, again the the frequencies don't have as much impact, and it gets a bit more muddled. So those are kind of things I think about overall. And I've kind of over the years, like if I do a six string song, my go to is drop C. It's just that's my comfort zone. It's it's time all time all the metal tuning. You know, like I just love drop C. You know, I know the new drop C is kind of drop B for six string tuning, at least like it seems like all the metalcore bands that were doing drop C are now doing drop B, which is cool to see. But for me, it's still like drop C is my home for seven string. It's probably like drop F. I don't know something about that. Just drop F, drop F sharp. That range is always my favorite because you can get a lot of that low. You can do a lot of low string only, but you can mix it in with chugs and it still combines and comes together and doesn't just sound like noise. And then eight string, I really like drop E, and then D one, and pitch shifting for everything else. Basically, I I don't, I don't like sitting in A zero, for example. I don't, it's not my thing.
0: Do you ever start a song, in like write a riff on in one tuning, and then just go like this isn't what i needed it's not doing the thing that i wanted and try it on a different guitar when a different tuning um not not very often because
1: that doesn't cha- that's tying to back to the idea of heaviness and like riffs is like that to me doesn't actually change much it's just a relative pitch right like you tune it lower while everything's relatively a little lower the riff still sucks right. ass <laughs> 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 right like that's the thing like the riff and the melody and the interval choices and the groove that makes it unique there's a reason like I, it's i think i don't think ever but maybe a couple times in my life where it's ever really been like, oh, yeah, I, I brought it a bit lower. Now the riff is good. Maybe if it's like... And that's the thing. If the riff already
0: sounds really good, it's very
1: rare. I'll fuck with it anyways. I'm not good, like... I'm not going to be like, okay, well, I'll bring it a little lower, unless like the vocalist will need it,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, well, I guess that's the other thing is like, if you send something to Andy and he's like, there's n- there's nothing that works. I mean, he's I know he's got, dude's got a crazy fucking range. <laughs> he can do anything.
1: That's the thing. I'm very lucky to have Andy. So it's like he doesn't. I, I ask him too, because that's the thing. I'm I am do not give a fuck about what tuning we're playing in usually. So yeah. I'm like, I asked him even. I'm like, so I'm like, kind of writing some of the stuff around drop E. Like, do you have a preference? Like, I can go higher, I can lo- go lower. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I was like. Okay, so like, then I'll just adapt it the way like I kind of explained it to you, like based on the needs of the song, like if it is more of a chunkier, or sludgier song, maybe I'll go a little lower. If it is a bit more fast paced, a bit more notey, maybe I'll go a little bit higher. But drop E seems to be kind of my new meta. It seems to be just the new norm in modern metalcore, I'd say in modern metal. But I also have been experimenting with this really fun thing, because I noticed in a few metalcore bands doing their six strings
0: with the pitch shifter, and doing this 5050 octave split like Memphis
1: Mayfire is a big one that used them.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, I somebody who uh, is on on my stream quite a bit and actually the dude who mixes my songs. He they had a song uh produced by the dude from Memphis Mayfire and I was like How do they get that super fucking low sound, but it's so clear and awesome? Whammy DT pedal,
1: that thing everyone uses, literally 95% of bands, like I'll do my Friday streams and check on new music. I just have it next to me. We have an emote where I'm just like, there's the whammy DT, whether it's the pitch shifter or it's the whammy part of it.
0: Wow. I was wondering about that. That's fucking cool.
1: But yeah, that's the 50-50 split, which is really cool. A lot of bands are using that now. I've been experimenting with the 100% down um octave so i'm i in some new termina i'm using a six string and drop c like again i'm using like 10 to 52s and we're in drop c1 doing like valjarta riffs and shit like that and like it's working and i'm like okay well this is fine because you know the more strings you have it is a different instrument and you, your brain thinks a little differently so i'm like i feel a lot more freer just in general on a six string because obviously i played that the most my whole life so i'm like Okay, so let's do this drop C1 shit, even though my gauges are 10 to 52, and just, like, mess around with, like, these thaw riffs and these more groovy riffs and, like, see how it works. And it brings this whole new style and flair to it, which is just so fun. It's, it's very fun and unique, and you can be really riffy in this really low tuning. And I feel like a lot of really low tuning bands aren't really riffy because just psychologically they look at all these strings and it's just, it, there's, there's too much choice. So the option paralysis kicks in. So, you know, they, they stick with what's comfortable, which is just the lower string. So that's something I've been experimenting with recently. And I'm fucking loving it. It's so <laughs> fun. just to, Just so low, but it still sounds clear and it's good and
0: well you don't have to worry about string tension and shit that you would have to worry about if you're playing like if you were to actually tune that low yeah you'd have to like fucking double your string gauge just about or you'd have to have a really long scale length all this annoying shit and instead you can just yeah boom yeah oh dude 100 percent.
1: like that's why i'm I'm loving it and like honestly my go-to package like i might even translate Like I don't know stuff from here here on out. Literally, just like not even use an eight string anymore, and just like use my one guitar for everything. Drop C if I want to play some two thousands metalcore kind of stuff, and you just pitch shift an octave if you want to play modern metalcore, right, or modern metal or whatever. And it's like it's just you just hit the button, and that's something I've been experimenting a lot with. Nick knock. That's all in that's all my six string, but in C one all the nick knox riffs uh, which again it's more production so you don't really hear it as much up front but i have been experiment it's just so fun and you don't have to change guitars you just sit there and sure do you is it like do you get a little bit less quality right than if you were to get an eight string with all the proper string gauges and all this and, and converting it yeah do you hear or care no because it's so fucking low you don't even know anyways <laughs> so who cares it's more comfortable to play on the sixth string so That's been my go-to is like six-string drop C octave lower pitch shifter. Fucking wild, man. It's wild. You can also do the 50-50 split, which is also just adds that chunkiness to it if people don't want to go all the way down.
0: Damn, I'm learning things today. (laughs) Because, I I mean, I've done stuff like that, but the the 50/50 split is a, is new to me that's um yes cuz i yeah cuz i'd heard that and i didn't know what it was i'm that's that's very rare i usually hear a, hear something in heavy music and i have a pretty good idea of what's going on yeah that one's new to me
1: yeah do you know 1056 by chance Aaron matz's new band no no they use
0: that it sounds like ungodly low tuning but it's actually
1: just seven string drop a but they do the 50/50 split mm. um, and again I, i'm learning this stuff by doing these like heaviest riffs videos and these yeah. kind Numbers and shit. Cause I'm like asking, I'm like, like, and sometimes I'll just ask the band, I'm like, what the fuck are you like? This, this <laughs> sounds like they'll give me maybe tabs or whatever, like if they're nice and I know them. I'll like 1056, for example. I got the, I got tabs, and I'm like, wait, this is seven string drop air, you fuck no, this is a I hear the note that's in fucking A0. Like I hear the frequency, and they're like, Oh yeah, it's 50-50 split. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> You know, that makes sense because it's it's it just adds this crazy new thing, which again bass is just on the sideline kind of doing its <laughs> own thing now. <laughs>
0: So, further and further off the stage, off in the corner, like,
1: okay, okay.
0: Yeah. I have people on my show
1: and I genuinely ask them, like, especially like Buster and people from Vulgartar, like, you know, the, the people using these low tunings. And I'm like, how low do you think we can go, like, genuinely, before it actually is too far? And a lot of them say, like, well, as long as the mixing prohibits, it, like, allows it and the mixes get cleaner and clearer for those frequency ranges, there's like no real limit. Um, of how far for me straight up is a zero like that's where it's like even pitch shifting like maybe pitch shifting for a breakdown i'll go a little lower eventually but like a zero for like a tuning for a whole song to me is like that's that's no further than that is straight up i i don't even i don't enjoy it so that that to me is capped but Right now I'm living at the C one life, which is just again it's C one, and then I think it's B zero. I'm bad at fucking nota- uh music
0: theory. I think that yeah, because C is where the octave changes. It does right. Okay, for so, those then, yeah, so, 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 so the lo- the next lower one would be zero. Exactly. So B- C
1: one, and then right half a step under is B zero, and then it's A sharp zero, and then it's A zero. So like I'm living right
0: now at C zero, and
1: like that to me is the perfect
0: low tune, stupid tuning. But A, a zero is limit. Even more annoyingly complicated there's like some people mark it as a different like like they start the number at a different in a different octave like
1: i'll make it super simple double drop c double drop a even though that means something else because there actually is a tuning
0: i know what you mean well it means different things in different genres (laughs) like in metal if you say double drop a like some people are like double drop d on an acoustic guitar and you're like Wait, what? It's one that's kind of like dad dadgad or whatever, <laughs> but like...
1: Well, yeah, because that that is an actual tuning. It's Yeah. So then for chat, if it's confusing, I'm talking about double drop C, double drop A, an octave below the regular drop of the tuning. Yes.
0: So let's talk a little bit about Nick Knock. So this is a bit different uh, from other stuff that we've heard from you. You're working with a producer, Deadweight. Yes and how does that work what's the process there has to be different right yeah so
1: deadweight it, it's it's cool i mean i was just gonna do a meme thing and i made a post about it and then deadweight's friend hit him up i didn't i didn't know who he was and he was like hey man that you know nick and deadweight's like in the metal scene as much as he's in the trap scene if anything he's more of a metalhead." he's like hey dude, nick's doing this shit like you should hit him up and he messaged me and on email and he's like i'm corpse's producer like do you want to do some shit and i'm like this is a scam <laughs> this, this is a fucking scam like why why you know i'm I'm saying i'm doing a mean metal meme trap project why the fuck would like one of the you know the producer of one of the top trap things you know be hitting me up right now so like but then we got talking and i sent him a demo he's like okay i'm like we got in calls and i was like you're actually corpse's producer he's like yeah <laughs> i was like oh all right like i guess we're doing this I'm like sure and i mean I, I got his perspective after talking with him he's just a cool dude and you know because that's i mean corpse was a youtuber too and it's like you know that's that's like it's like yeah you can be a youtuber and then do this whole thing if if, if you can make it work and like that you know not corpse level but like hey why not try i guess he kind of wanted to be like hey let's let's see what happens if we if i do this again but with like this idiot <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah we just started working together and essentially started as a meme thing but then you know it wasn't but uh i started first off with making like some of the beats and melodies that i had previously from the meme version of the project then he just sent me like actual real beats because like he's a fucking trap producer and i was <laughs> like oh this is actually good like not the dumb shit i'm making you know with my cubase like hellion sync fucking sonic or whatever like the default <laughs> yeah you know like the default like little shitty plug <laughs> like this is actually good so you sent me these beats i was like dude this is fucking sick and you know I uh, you know they're dark beats it's basically metal with 808s instead of fucking drums like that's really the only difference like it's a lot of phrygian harmonic minor chromaticism and then you know diminished shit it's the same fucking melody choices right so I was like okay sick like I'm gonna write some riffs to this so that's kind of how it, it, the first song started at least was he would send me a beat and then I overlaid it with some riffs and then I had to be a vocalist which was new I was like oh shit right I'm the vocalist this time this is new to me And again, like, I'm taking this meme approach, but also I was starting to realize, oh, like, the instrumental sounds, like, good and, like, professional because it's an actual trap producer doing this now. And then I'm just adding guitars on top. And as soon as we did guitars, I'm like, let's just be ignorant. Got my six string, like I said, pitched it down an octave. There you go. Done. That's the tuning for all this shit. And we started writing. And when it came to vocals, I was like, fuck, I want to write about meme shit, but, like, I can't think of anything meme-y. So I heard the song, and I naturally thought of this chorus, at least for isolation, which again, that song, industry is a much better song after working, and we hopefully keep building, but it was like, isolation, isolation, I'm a fucking dream, and I was like, okay, it's kind of cringy, I use the word fuck a lot, and like, whatever, like, it's trap, right, like, let's go with it, and I couldn't get that chorus out of my head, and then I was like, fuck, okay, well, this doesn't make sense in a meme song, like, it's cringy meme, but it's not like a meme meme, right, like, I'm not talking about Rage Shadow Legends and shit, Um, so... I was like fuck okay and then I it started to be like this lyrical thing where I would rhythmically think of things right from my experience being a rhythmic guitarist and all this shit and writing with vocalists that I kind of got that perspective of how vocalists think but it's also like I know has to tie together lyrically so that was a big thing for me is like learning how to write lyrics learning what idiom is and stuff like that like you know common phrases and how to utilize shit like that too and again, this is stuff that Deadway was showing me and helping me with because, like, he's worked with these dudes. And I'm like, thanks, man. So I started writing it, and then the lyrics kind of became serious in this weird way. But And the song sounded serious. But then I was like, okay, no one's going to believe I'm a trap dude. So I need to fucking get the getup, bro. I need to get the whole outfit. I need to get the fuck. I need, you know, my girlfriend markers uh, tattoos on me. So, like, on the eyebrow, I always have the same NXK like, Nick Knox or so that part. Mm-hmm. Um, on my knuckles, I put True cavalts on there. Uh, You know, and, and then I have, like, the rings and, like, y- you know what I mean? I try to, and I got the mask and shit like that. So I was like, okay, if this isn't Mimi anymore, like, at least the getup's gonna be kind of, like, an alter ego personality Mimi kind of funny thing, right? So then we released that, and we got a lot of feedback. People were like, this is cool, you know, it did better than we thought it was, but we want more riffs. We want more heavy. And I was confused, because I'm like, I'm trying to write, like, like, heavy trap. I'm not trying to write metal, really. But they were like, we want more metal in the trap. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's surprising to me. So, like, then the next song, Industry, basically, that same kind of thing. We're like, this time, though, I started with a riff, which is the main chorus riff. And from there, he built a beat and a melody around it. Mm. And we wrote the structure of that song in one day. Like, just done. Instrumentally. So, that, that's kind of how it is. It's like, we started with him doing production first, then me riffs. And then this last one was riffs first, production And then now we're now we realize like the sweet spot is us collaborating, like getting on a call, like me spitting out a riff, him doing a beat to it and doing a melody on top of it. And then seeing how that kind of evolves into this fully structured song. So that's kind of and then vocals are are after usually.
0: So doing vocals is kind of a new thing for you, but not I feel like didn't you work with a YouTuber to learn how to how to scream and stuff like that am i crazy did i make that up
1: yeah okay so yeah I've, i worked with a lot of people so a lot of people just oh, say okay. oh one person taught me," and it's like I, okay credit credit to them they helped me i but it's like they they, they that's they just the only one i've seen three years yeah like yeah it, it was david from Rift shop he's great he's super nice he, they make great content i was already messing with vocals a while and then he was doing this vocal course where he, and he was like okay well i want to try this experiment where i just take a dude
0: who doesn't know how to
1: scream really and try to teach him The basics within like a a month so he did that with me and i was super grateful and it was cool because that jump started like okay let's actually do this that's how far david got me and i oh much thanks to him for that but in terms to get where i am that was there wasn't just one person so then from there i was like i took a lot of lessons from just different people because i wanted different perspectives and vocals are a very psychological thing you know it's very about understanding understanding breathing and understanding mindset which all these vocalists have different mindsets and breathings and different ways to do the techniques and even different wordings for the techniques. It's not as much like you go on guitar and you're like, here is your, su- how do you all learn sweet picking? Here's how you learn fucking sweet picking, right? It's, it's this different fucking thing completely. And everyone has a different way to attack it. So that's what I did is I was, you know, I, uh, Mary from voice hacks gave me a lesson that was super nice of her. And I, I learned from, I learned good things from her. Uh, uh, Mark from CardiVox gave me a lesson. Um, Tom Barber from Chelsea Grin gave me a lesson fucking um, Andy gave me a couple lessons Lauren Babich gave me a lesson Um, and then uh, the one who probably taught me the most I would say is Lucas Magyar because I took a few lessons with him and he was like really helpful Um, but they were all helpful in their own ways like Tom taught me more about breathing right Uh, Mary taught me more about the actual distorted grit Andy taught me how to project right like it's they all taught me kind of these different things altogether of how to actually do this. And then it's like me sitting here, just screaming over songs that I like, like that I know the lyrics and having fun and and seeing how it sounds and being able to hear my voice and how to build on it and the feelings I'm getting and how to adapt and what hurts, what doesn't. You know, how to do this safely into the point where I got now where I'm pretty comfortable with what I can do. Nothing hurts ever. And I have decent longevity. I could probably do like an hour or two before my voice is like you should probably chill but even that like I haven't blown at my voice or anything but that that was kind of the bigger picture vocal journey again huge credits to David a lot of people just saw that video and I did not think they were going to see that video good on him he got paid from that course
0: well it's like the uh you know it's just the squeaky wheel gets the cheese like we didn't see all your other lessons with yeah yeah all these other people because you did them at home and didn't film them I presume (laughs) yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He he, again, so, he was super helpful, and yeah. I,
1: his, his guitar course, from what I saw, is great, for, especially for people starting, which
0: is super cool. But I learned from a lot of a lot of other yeah. people
1: that pushed me actually to get to where where I was
0: not. One oh, person. yeah, i I've, I've taken lessons with Mary. She's the bomb. Mary's Um,
1: dope she's super cool
0: yeah I gotta give I I keep being like every time I think about it, I'm like oh I gotta book more lessons with her and I fucking forget (laughs) but in terms of you pursuing it like like you said you had that you did this sort of like experiment with with David and that kick-started it yes in terms of you being a vocalist not just to do it to do it but to be able to Sing the songs that you write and scream and and do yeah. vocals on on these songs for yourself as an artist, like did you ever have ambitions to do that previously? Or was it like, oh, I'm not a vocalist. I'll have to get a different person to do that all the time. Yeah, that like, was, I was sick of that.
1: Actually, that's a big part reason why I wanted to do the meme trap metal thing to practice vocals and to see just because I also saw it was popping off and this trap stuff that the metal scene never fucking talks about for some reason is huge and way better than like it's it's it's, it's exploding and you know I'm like oh okay I want to check this out. Um, but yeah, it was just that. Like I love working with all the vocalists I work with, but also. Dude, you're waiting for vocalists. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to be the vocalist for once. I'm just getting like it's not easy. I know this is stupid as fuck and I'm never going to be as good as the vocalists I'm working with right now, but I don't care. I just want a project where like if I wanted to, I can release a song with like I can write and release a song within a day. You know what I mean? Like and I also wanted that creative freedom for content creation. Like mm-hmm. cuz that's something I never had. It's like I'm always limited by just guitar. That was always my big thing or production I want There's a lot of concepts I had YouTube over the years where it's like, fuck, if only I could do vocals, right? And that's something I've been actually experimenting right now on tiktok because that's what i use tiktok for is just like my lab laboratory of bullshit um where i'm on tiktok and i'm just taking these old classic bangers and i'm just screaming over them instead and they're getting like some of them got two hundred thousand views and i'm like okay <laughs> like oh sure like all right, all right this, then yeah so that's kind of been the big thing is like i wanted to I, I never want my creative ability to be limited by what i can actually do i always and i'm not saying that means i'm going to be the most creative person ever But one thing I always want to check and make sure is that it was never being limited by my actual capabilities That of things I could change, like vocals or guitar, right? Like I'm by no means a crazy fucking shredder, but everything that I want to do currently, I know I can get done with my current skill of guitar, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So that's always the mindset that has pushed me. And then also, again, just working with vocalists is great, but I was like, fuck it. I want a project where I'm actually in control of when this gets done um, and I don't have to wait for people.
0: So as a vocalist now, right, being able to write a lot of these parts, and I see you doing some vocals in Termina as well, mm-hmm. um, or at least you're in the music video moving your mouth. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I, I do the backing
1: for the last chorus. Yeah,
0: um, Sounds awesome. Uh, how do you go about writing your lyrics for stuff that you're screaming? Do you have any any particular process? Like you said, you had to do a lot of learning, learning what an idiom is.
1: Yeah, learning a lot of things I didn't listen to in English because I hated English and writing essays and all that shit. And I was like, I'm not gonna fucking need to know this stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, oh damn, I really should have paid attention more in English with like all these like lit- literary fucking devices and stuff. But um, yeah, lyrics is still the ho- lyrics is tougher for me than vocals because vocals in general is is, is rhythm is is ri- well I'm, I'm not doing melody right so it's just rhythm based that's it it's rhythm and tone so i just pick oh well i could do th- i could do the lower the mid or the kind of high like you know <laughs> like that's that's yeah. all like but rhythm is the big thing that is my focus which again that i that's easy for me because of guitar and programming drums even all over these years like rhythm is no problem for me uh but lyrics even that's the that's just the toughest part because Sure, there's a lot of things I can write lyrically of things that I feel or things I want to talk about. Um, But it's also like this new field and like never really care about lyrics because I'm always like, I just care about the music. Like, which I know lyrics are a very important part of the music, but it never was for me growing (laughs) up. Like, I just didn't fucking care. Um, So it's hard to all of a sudden be like, oh, now I have to care about this stuff. Um, So, yeah, just that and try not to make it too cheesy, but then also just kind of accepting like, hey, like these lyrics start with fuck the industry like and it sounds dumb and cringy but like it gets the point across and it rhythmically works like i don't really fucking care like sure like like being more adaptable to that and being more okay to express myself in a cringy way because i don't know how to say some of those things in a more intelligent way maybe or in a a more um finessed way yet with with uh lyrics that will work with rhymes and will work with the rhythm so I'm like, okay, this works here rhythmically. It's cringy. I don't care. It works rhythmically and it sounds cool. That's kind of my approach. But it's still it, that's the biggest thing I'm learning right now, is is just lyrical writing, because it's that's my worst thing out of anything far.
0: But you're doing it, like you're going for it. That's I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to go
1: for it. And you know, I I'm I'm putting time and a lot of effort into it. And that's why it's like as long as I feel like it gets the meaning across. I don't really care how cringy or some of the words are of how I say it, as long as it's said and as long as you know, the 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 rhythms work and it sounds cool, like I that's it.
0: So but you're you you, so what you're saying is that the message is extremely important. It's foremost in your mind. I mean the concept with with yeah, the the yeah, sure, the concept. Yeah. The you're getting yeah, the thing that you're trying to say gets out there you're you're not as worried about the specifics and i think with industry hmm. I mean, you open with the, with the idea like, yeah. no, there's no there's no way to misinterpret what you're saying. Yes, that's that's, uh, that's good re- lyric writing as far as I'm concerned. If oh. I know instantly what the song is about. Well, that I, even, like, I was laughing you know? when I was
1: writing that because I'm like, dude, this is like I feel like this is like some angry 13 year old like starts the song with fuck and like says it like 10 <laughs> times. You know, what it's part of the chorus. So I'm like, that's where I, that's the thing. That's the problem. I came up with the chorus. And I was, like, joking. I'm like, fuck the industry. I don't want to be, right? And I'm like, fuck, that's kind of a cool chorus. But it's like, is is there a better way to say it that rhythmically flows and easy out of the tongue like that? I was like, not that I'm at the skill level to unlock yet. That's kind of my thing. So I'm like, okay. I'm fine with this then, even though, you know, it's, you know, I wish, uh, yeah, like, it's the word, I, I'm i not a big fan of just saying fuck everywhere, like, in my in lyrics, right? I don't think that makes me hard or edgy, right? Like, that's not the purpose. It's just, like, I speak, basically, the lyrically is kind of how I speak, like, if I was, like, on Twitch, and someone asked me a question, and I was describing things, like, that's
0: kind of the approach I was taking,
1: and I'm still taking while adapting to be, hopefully, an actual decent lyrical writer, but yeah, it's just like it flowed for the chorus and I was like, I guess that's the chorus then, <laughs> all right. And I was la laugh- that's the thing, like I'm there laughing because I'm like, I know how it comes off in that sense and how it's kind of weird and kind of stupid and kinda cringy, but I'm like eh. <laughs> i'm kind of stupid weird and cringy so you don't know want it it comes together who cares
0: you gotta write what you know yeah
1: exactly right and the, the the line that i took the most time was definitely when i started going faster in that song i forgot the fucking line like faking virality is a formality fucked up mentality that one i was like okay that's kind of cool you know because it was like that says the point and it's cool line it's a bit more it's a bit it's a bit more finesse so like i want to do more things like that that are kind of more reference based, but also that's the thing. It was like, do I make these lyrics funny? Like that was again another approach with this song. Like, do I try to make this a meme song? And again, like as soon as I wrote the chorus, like it's kind of a memey chorus, like fuck the industry. But then I was like, oh, this is kind of real as fuck, because like this is about like all the stuff that I see coming from the content creator perspective as a YouTuber now coming into the music industry for these past couple of years and just looking around and being like, how is this normal? Like, how are all <laughs> these things that are just set in stone like so normal? and it blowing my fucking mind that's really what the song's about it's not like a fuck you labels like it's like a no all these standards that are still okay that were set like 50 years ago mm-hmm. that made sense then how is this still the norm and the meta and things haven't adapted to modern age and social media and all this shit right so that's really what it was about so i was like i mean that kind of says it so let's let's just go with it and see what fucking happens uh, hopefully i don't piss off my label homies and context which none of them were mad they were they, so I, I, it was so funny. I re-
0: no, they all get it. They're like, yeah, fuck the industry,
1: yeah. I so I released that song the day I went to New York for like this coheat event, and uh I met up with Dave Rath from who uh, who's, who was who was who's like Roadrunner, like that, right? Had a Roadrunner or A roadrunner, R um, Roadrunner for like whatever, just just to hang and shoot the shit because I was in town. And as soon as I never met him before, as soon as I talked to him, one of the first things he said was, "Hey, you released your song today." <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh my goodness <laughs> well how oh, was it and he was super nice he was super chill he was like yeah do you like it's doing well like good for you i was like oh thanks man like he was just super you know super chill and that's how it went with most of the media like the not media, the the industry people i know like because again they know they know me i talk with them and if they i know them you know they know that i, I know that i respect they know that i respect them and i i know that they respect me and that me talking thumps like that is not directed at them at all because they they treat people right, they treat me right, they treat their artists yeah. right. But um Yeah, just in that sense of the generic thing. It was definitely like a hmm. I wonder how uh, I wonder how people will interpret this, you know, because it's very direct, but it's also ambiguous. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't know how it was gonna be taken and and now it uh that's that's but it seemed to be taken all right. So I was like, all right.
0: If the AR, head AR guy at Roadrunner Records, knew that your song came out that's amazing even if he was even if he was like well hey I'm I'm an industry guy are you saying that about me are you saying that to me? Like, that's fucking great. No, no, yeah. No, he was awesome. He was, like,
1: really cool to talk to. I learned a fuck ton talking about with him. He's, he is a really cool... And that's even, like, it's so funny, like, seeing, um like, again, label contacts I know because of react, like, they'll hit me up for reaction stuff, being like, hey, dude, like, new song was cool as fuck. And I'm like, thanks, you know, like, and even when Terminator came out now, being like, hey, t- like, congrats on Terminator I was just like, that's cool that... They're paying attention in that
0: sense, even though I'm like, I'm out there sending them,
1: hey guys, you know, thanks for sending me. Here's my new song. Like, no, I'm fucking, I just posted on my YouTube and that's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But they're, they're looking, they're paying attention. Yeah. So hopefully they'll start to get the, uh, like, catch up with the, with the way that things are done now. You know what I mean? Um, Like you're saying, you know, some of those systems are very archaic
1: by far and they're just disconnected with how people act nowadays and how you connect with people and that's that's the big point there and seeing just so many of home, so many bands i know and so many homies in the music industry just get fucking destroyed because of those restraints and not being able to adapt to the modern age and creativity and, and all that just that was sad to me so that's where i was like all right i guess i'm writing about this i tried really hard not to actually i went through like so many different <laughs> ideas and then I, I just kept going back same thing we're talking about songwriting where it was like that's the idea i gotta commit to it i it's like gotta commit we go like okay like i'm trying to force it into something it's not didn't work so i just was like fuck it there's the idea
0: you uh you stopped cock blocking yourself you you stopped like you just let the let the thing be what it needed to be yeah you had something to say your brain wasn't gonna wasn't gonna let it not be said yeah it was important it was important and i and Stuff like that needs to be said because if nobody says those things publicly, uh, things won't really change that much, you know? I mean, I don't know that you saying fuck the industry is going to make them all of a sudden go like oh shit but at the same time it will not (laughs) if there's even just a small unifying force like a lot of times it sets the wheels in motion it sets this little seed of ideas like as youtubers we are constantly struggling with getting demonetized by using people's music in our videos as if we're trying to fucking steal people's music but then if what's really happening is that they're preventing us from giving them free publicity like we like look at this past week two songs have blown the fuck up not because of youtube of course because of tv i don't need to tell you what they are cuz you know right okay master of puppets running up that hill okay everywhere fucking everywhere and those are sync placements they're getting paid for those but yeah. it could be the same on youtube but we instead we get treated like pariahs because we because we played smoke on the water and uh, you know, a record label that's been around for eighty years doesn't understand that if they just let us use it and we split the fucking money, we could all be making money.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing too. Like working with all these labels now, like and with white listing and shit like that, and a lot of my A and R reps I work with, like these guys, these they're, 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 they're like twenty five. Like these people I'm talking to, and they're so hip. Like they fucking get. That's why they're they, we we work so well together. But. A lot of people don't understand. And again, that's why the song is not directed at like just a label. It's directed at this bigger picture and how everything is run more at the top and how, you know, a few publishing companies and big labels kind of own everything else. And these smaller subsidiary labels have no fucking say. I can't do shit about it uh, with how things are run and even how publishing is set. Right. With with copyright a lot of the time. And that's why even I talk with labels and they're like, yeah, Nick, it's frustrating for us because we want to yeah. do this so we can help our artists get out there. But, you know. The 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 bosses upstairs ain't about this shit, and it's as simple as that. And it's like, yeah, that's that's unfortunate, right? So it's that's that's also part of that that song. It's like you know, it's like yeah, like this is just because it's it's oh it's OG. A lot of the people upstairs dinosaur shit, bro. Like I call I I use that term a lot. It's like oh, they're sort of more dinosaur, right? (laughs) Yeah, and they're like. You know, they won't say yes because, you know, they, won't, they they like their job. But like, you know, will be like, you're like, they're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just, no, it's, it's a bit more dinosaur how it goes because that's the old ways these publishers are used to the normal way of, hey, you use our song. Well, you need licensing. You want to use it in a movie. Obviously, you need licensing. You want to use it on fucking whatever TV show, radio, all this shit like this is the way it was prior to the internet like medium and this new wave of thing and how people consume content now right of where people actually fucking are so it's it's just them not wanting to adapt and them wanting to live in the old times of well you can fully get publishing for everything and not realizing how it's even crazier how the concept of what the fuck why can you claim my whole two hour video for 10 seconds of me using your content that i re repurposed and redid that also is educational and transformative why the fuck is this okay right and it's just being like oh well youtube lets us because these set these systems set up right from before, YouTube has to follow them under law. That's a big problem too. So, like, even though people, I know a lot of people complain about YouTube, well, I got strike. Fuck YouTube. Well, sure to a point. Which there's one only one thing that I don't know if it's a solution, but it's one thing I ever proposed as a system that might actually work that people could abuse still, and I can see the abuse, but it's so much less, way less. Which is YouTube already knows. Which parts of your video utilize copyrighted material? Through which, which fucking time code
0: it, it exists
1: automatically?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it tells you when you look. It tells you and you it got that nice you fucking little, email that gives you depression for the rest yeah. of the fucking day. Yeah.
1: Um, but my thing was like a system that you can proportionally share revenue based on amount of copyright time used within a video, right? Which sure, people could abuse, they could listen to a three-minute song and then have a 30-minute video right and just extend it even though the videos should be only 10 minutes but also that gets counteracted a lot because your watch time gets fucked and no one watches yeah so no you're not your videos aren't gonna get recommended then anyways so you're just destroying your own channel if you do want to abuse the system in that case but at least fine like i would never fuck i honestly wouldn't care if with the thing set up with labels was like okay the amount of time like let's say I have a ten minute video and three minutes of it is a reaction. Go get thirty percent of the video adSense. Fine.
0: I yeah, fucking, great. That's great. Let's let's because then that encourages you to do more of those. Yeah. And to make both the label and yourself more money.
1: Yeah, and also it encourages just me to want to use
0: sometimes a little less. Like if I if I can skim
1: on some of the copyrighted content, fine. Then I'll implement more original spe- specific content or whatever people want to call it. Great. If it's proportional. But it's just, like, it doesn't matter. You use five seconds, your whole video gets claimed. Yeah. Well, like, the fuck is, you know, okay, like, what do you want me to do at that point then, right? So, it's that's a system I've thought of that, again, they already have the fucking thing that tells you where the part of the song <laughs> is. Like, I don't know how hard it would be really to implement, um, but I don't think publishers would be okay with that because they'd make less than 100%. <laughs> so, it's as simple as that. Like, just the publishers wouldn't agree with it.
0: I, I don't think. And and we're be you know being our age and and all that. We're used to getting a lot less than hundred percent of anything. <laughs> we're used to getting fucked. I'm yes. happy with seventy. You can have thirty. Have a wonderful time. We're in business together Bro, now. Come that on. was also thing. Like
1: time back to the industry concept. Like
0: for and obviously, I learned this
1: within a good couple of years now. But like when I was a bit younger, starting YouTube. I didn't know like label splits, you know, 80, 20, 80 for the label, like even concepts like that, which again, I get, and understand the labels acting, acting as a bank, as a loan, they're providing all these things and they want their security and all that. Or, or even just that you give away your masters. Like I didn't learn that for a bit doing YouTube. Like to me, those were foreign concepts I was like, wait, you, you make music and you don't own it. Yeah. What the fuck? And like, I get why it happens. Right, because of publishing and someone has to own this stuff and they have to claim on your behalf and all this bullshit. Right. But I'm like that too, just like coming into the industry and seeing all this shit that this is just the norm, you know, coming from a content creator space where you do any you know, you you, you make content, you make a fucking video. Like it's yeah, you know. Like, we
0: own all our own
1: shit for sure. Yeah, and even using things like DistroKid, congrats to the sponsor of this video, <laughs> right, as a distribution where you make a hundred percent royalties and things like that, where it's like That's what I use. And it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, you pay 20 bucks, what, a
0: fucking year and you get to get 100% of all the fucking streaming revenue. And you can get 7% off (laughs) your first year of that with the link in the description. There you go. Yeah, it's insane. It's based on a time when things were very very different yeah you couldn't distribute you needed to go and spend 100 plus grand to get into a studio
1: to record anything right now it's like yeah bro you have fucking a, a dog and,
0: and reaper that you are on demo forever yeah got reaper and some plugins
1: yeah like okay well go like i there's so many incredible even mixers and how much does a mix cost in the metal where let's be real man a good mix you can get for 500 bucks like a good mix you can get a an amazing mix for 500 bucks yeah yeah Like, and a solid mix, maybe 200
0: that will like, you'll get by.
1: Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, it's just different times.
0: Yeah. And now, and then you can get it out to the world cheaper. And the promo, I'm hearing a lot about like record labels, just fucking begging their artists to do TikTok content. That's, that's at the fucking top of their priorities. So if you know that, what do you need a fucking label to tell you to do that for?
1: That's what that line is in an in industry that that you know
0: oh did you say that upload
1: a tiktok score of fatality or uh on original yeah, yeah, yeah that that's literally what that is a reference to you know you get you know get the way it's like that's why i'm like yeah like since you be doing this like that's the point that you're doing the business stuff right that i can't do i don't want to do as a band right which again modern age like just advice to any band even if you're signed please understand all the ins and outs of your business like it's still a business like i know you want to just write and just focus on that but even if you are on a label and they're doing all this stuff for you and you have management, understand what they're all doing for yourself at least. So then you can at least gauge, are you getting fucked or not? I'm not <laughs> saying you owe. Like some, some, some labels are incredible and, and offer incredible deals to bands. And those bands reach highest highs that they could never reach by themselves because they don't have maybe the business sense or they don't have the financial capital to start. right? But there's a lot of cases that that's not the case.
0: <laughs> right and if you're just starting out it's pretty unlikely you'll get a great deal like that you'll wind up with that kind of thing solid advice though and not only solid advice but a good way of thinking about it you know you're looking at it from a perspective of somebody who doesn't necessarily need that like you have a, a yes. you already have the promotional tools in place for your own music like people yeah. pay publicists to get the kind of exposure that you've already got you have artists coming on your twitch to promote their shit yeah
1: well that's that's also the thing is i even now i, I didn't have i i only had pr recently nikki you know probably because yeah. set this up like within the last two Thanks, months because that's i was i had all the pr reach out to me and they're they're all lovely i love uh, pr out of all the industry people no offense to my f- my fam and the a&r crew that are also really nice and awesome out of all of them i love pr the most because they have to deal with the most shit and they just yep. deal with it and they're nice and they get shit done like i was they're, they're the best so working with like all of the pr like i, I kind of call them like the queens of pr like there's like amy nikki fucking charlie mm-hmm. um natalie and a few others like they're mm-hmm. just you know the ones that are always kind of promoting all the bands and getting them to people and writing the actual press releases like working with them on that side i was like oh this is kind of cool like wait, you don't have to be on a label to hire you, right? Well, some of them are just label exclusive, right? But like, like some of them aren't. I'm like, oh, so I can just hire you. They're like, yeah.
0: Okay, so I mean, I hired Nikki.
1: It was as simple
0: as that, you know? Yeah, Nikki's the bomb. Because Gear Gods is also this website, a media outlet for metal, I've worked with every metal publicist on the planet and right. they're the best you're right they have to be <laughs> super patient very understanding of promotion and what works and what doesn't and their you know their whole job is is basically making you money in a very sort of longer roundabout way and getting you in front of people's faces yeah. like they care about the effect of what you're going to be doing and all that like yeah. like nikki wouldn't have pitched you to me to do this hmm. if she didn't know that i was gonna make you look good and not ask you like fucking mean questions or or something i don't know or trap like trap you you can do that too i'm cool with
1: i told i told her literally you know out of any like feel they can go out like i don't care i'll take
0: it so like if it makes a cool <laughs> headline
1: fucking go for it like oh yeah
0: i'm gonna try to get some sound bites out of you about <laughs> um but yeah and and people don't really realize that and publicists are just one of the whole team of people that any given label is going to be having working for them doing this uh every part of selling records for an yes. artist or whatever and running the business and they're all people that you can just hire if they don't work for a label usually there are freelance versions of all of these people publicists are just the sort of the tip of the iceberg and usually the ones that i tell people to hire first but yeah like La- labels are kind of like
1: general contractors like for uh, like building a house or whatever the fuck like it's the same mm-hmm. like they you know they they, they get done they have the connections they, they oversee things they make sure it gets done which is great you know sometimes you need a general contractor right to get shit done because you don't know what the, you don't you don't want to fucking build a house you just want to live in it <laughs> yeah right so, but if you do know how to, or you want to learn and you go through it and then you hire all these people yourselves and you see the process, well, you know, yeah, you can you can do that too, right? Um, and also labels also obviously like financially provide obviously as a, as a bank, as a loan, right? Which bans sometimes for i mean deals are all different sometimes it's not a loan but most of them i've seen are all loans and bands forget hey we just got 50 grand to make an album we're rich let's go get fucking (laughs) lit boys and then they're like yeah that's supposed to go into your mixing budget bro (laughs) also you owe us that all back
0: yeah and also yeah yeah it's it's recoupable find out what that word means (laughs) yeah exactly but you know, they gotta, uh, dudes in bands have to have, they gotta buy more guitars. Yeah. Rather than spend the money on getting it mixed and hiring a yeah. publicist it's, and shooting a music video. Yeah. And, and, and,
1: and I look, I know we're a special case in this sense because we have the audience and all this, and I have a YouTube channel. Me and Andy have funded both of these albums. I've, we've only put $500 into the band ever at the start, and we didn't put anything else, me and him. It, it was just what the band made in itself from streaming and, and whatever from my YouTube AdSense right back into it right back into it right back into it we didn't t- we didn't
0: take a penny out of the band and we only put
1: $500 each into it that's it boom yeah
0: well from $500 to rock stars the terminus story
1: <laughs> we are we are we are ways away from that but i appreciate that nonetheless
0: <laughs> but more important than anything else i think for me and for the purposes of this podcast the final product is awesome mm-hmm. i mean that's what we care about right like the all of this stuff is because of because we love the music and yeah you could just whatever and like put out something that you hate right. and not care about but you've put in the time and the effort and the promotion part is fucking hard and that's the work part after the work part of the the final polish and everything on the song but like yeah um i think uh the stuff that you're putting out sounds fucking cool as shit thanks it's pretty it's it's solid but also unique got lots of great sounds obviously banging riffs and it's fun getting a little insight into into how you're doing it you know
1: yeah that that uh that
0: translucent started with
1: the da like that was that was the song basically i just built it around that
0: yeah i think now's probably a good time to take a couple of uh viewer questions I have a couple that I grabbed off of um, some posts where I asked people, for example, in the Discord, which the Gear Gods Discord, you can check out at the link in the description if you haven't already, folks. So let's start with one from uh, Young Plague on YouTube. Young Plague. I thought this was a good question. It's kind of fucking weird, but he says, what's holding you back? <laughs> um, I, in, which, in which realm? Like music? Okay. okay. I don't know. Like, do you, like, when I saw that at first, I was like, I don't know, man, that's kind of like, what's holding me back? What are you, what's holding him back? Like, but then it's like, I think everybody kind of feels like there's something holding them back that from the next thing that they could be doing the next level or whatever. So in any, anywhere, the
1: general next level, I guess.
0: Yeah. But also music, I think musically, probably I would like to, okay. if it time
1: doing a lot of different things. And I think time is just a very valuable variable, um, that don't have enough of to, to do all the things in a to get them done fast enough and working with people too like you know it's just you get them out when you get them out i think that's the that's the big thing It's just straight up time
0: time all right andrew jackson in the discord asked if you could work with any songwriter dead or alive who would it be and why well that's
1: tough because that's kind of I'm like thinking favorite guitarist, but then i'm like songwriter overall right like yeah i think sinister gates mm. that dude has such a unique flair with his riffs and his writing and his styles that I feel like are just very complimentary in any style of music. Like you can take his melody choices, his interval feelings and, and things like that and just like create some crazy shit. Um, even in the craziest of heavy spaces.
0: Awesome. Drop audio says Nick, why is memes?
1: <laughs> it's fun, it's relatable. Like that's the thing is like going into the space. I liked writing music, but I didn't want to be a musician really, which is fun kind of weird. Like I didn't want to be in a band or any of that. I don't know. I just like, I want to have fun. I wanted to, you know, laugh at things and have that relatability with people and shoot crack jokes. I mean, if anyone knows me in person, they know I'm not a very serious person either. Uh, I'm serious when I need to get shit done, right? Like, I take that very seriously. But, like, you know, just talking or shooting the shit or having fun or making content even is just like, I just want it to be fun. And, you know, memes are a great way to just have a good laugh, make your day feel better. And yeah, laughing is. The cure to
0: all. And I, I think that people don't really realize that memes are top tier marketing these days. Like, yeah, everybody's marketing with memes.
1: It's relatable. So I'm, I've been testing it out on Instagram and Facebook, too, just like making it more of a meme format. Those things are exploding where it's just me doing some dumb shit. Like, <laughs> but it's like a meme that's relatable. It's like, all right, like, cool. Like,
0: thanks. That's that works. Yup. Dorian's writing desk asks, how long does it take to go from a riff to the full final product? The full structure, sometimes a day, like it can take a day, but the full like polished,
1: mixed, mastered, if I'm including now having a master, again, you know, you have to do a video, so the video takes two weeks, you have to add a mask. Well, say to the final written. I've done songs where I have maybe fully written it, like everything within a couple days. Some that's, let's say maybe a week or two is probably pretty average, like fully, like this is done now.
0: Cool. Anton M, how do you go about coming up with a good rhythm for a riff? Oh, I do I spent a lot of time studying rhythm
1: um, and covering songs rhythmically and actually getting into gent helped me a lot, which is really funny. I know that's a, a scary word. But yeah, just like literally AFK listening to Mashuga, like going, like doing nothing and just having Mashuga in the background, not actually focusing sometimes. You just like start to um, intrinsically like consume these unique. Rhythms and then you get an understanding how pulses feel. Like you, you know, like even if something's in four, four, like most of the stuff I write is four, four, but I work in a sense of groove and pulse, more so where it'll have like again polymeters or polyrhythms within that. And the only reason I've been able to develop that is one covering songs that are like that and forcing myself to do it, and two, literally just listening to music that's very groove oriented. Um, even if it's something as simple as new metal. Like, I know new metal gets shit on, shit on all the time. But the reason that music was so good, other than, like, huge catchy choruses, was actually groove was involved for, like, once. <laughs> you know, like, groove yeah. mattered. And, you know, that's what made a lot of these songs super catchy that seemed so simple and stupid. But everyone would listen to them in the early 2000s because of the melody mixed in with, like, this really contagious groove. I mean, one of my favorite ones are, um, which is, like, a simple song. is like, Roots Bloody Roots by uh, Sepultura. Right, down, 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 down. You know, it just makes you fucking want to move, and that's 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 a feel that with everything I write, I really like groove to be as much of the focus as melody. I, I'm, I don't. That's also why I never grew up with a lot of death metal. Weirdly enough, I'm not a big death metal guy because there's, there's, there's groove doesn't exist It's it's only <laughs> it's melody rare. and speed. It's rare, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's really it. Just listening to a lot of it, trying to cover a lot of it, and just loving. The idea of Groove.
0: Yeah. So one that I ask a lot that I really like. Somebody asked a modified version of this in the chat. How do you know when a song is finished? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You just don't. You get to the point where you feel happy enough and you play it
1: and you you put it on repeat and you're stoked as fuck. You just have to accept whether you want to go down the deep, dark, dark depths of unless fixings and add additions or you're happy where, where it's at and it's unique enough and have has enough layers because you can add a lot more but then that takes away from the focus of what you already have a lot of the times right if, if you go too crazy so it's just i don't know you get to a point where you you're satisfied with enough layers and you're satisfied with how it sounds and it has uniqueness and it has depth with all these layers that you just are like this is fine for now that uh, but it, it's never it's never done <laughs> <That's> <laughs> songs up. are never finished It's never done yeah yeah
0: you just let it go <laughs> It's a great answer um, as have all of these been and I think I, you could ask how do we know that an interview is done It isn't we could sit here and talk about this for eternity but I think we've covered most of what we usually do here on the show and I'm gonna let you talk about where people can find what's new with you what's coming out where can they find these songs that we've talked about what's the best place i'm sadly
1: on all the social platforms and it's always that nick nocturnal so i mean just type in just type of my name in some capacity probably will maybe show up <laughs> like it's like you know like and if you want a specific listen to like termina then go to termina t-e-r-m-i-n-a go to, on spotify or whatever the fuck like wherever you want to listen to or buy it you know you can go watch the music video on my channel if you want but Yeah, it's just Nick Nocturnal on everything and original music. The place I focus the most is usually like Spotify. So that's usually the most up to date with everything. Like I'm not up to date and keeping my SoundCloud really up to date or like Bandcamp always. But like, (laughs) yeah, if you want like the new new of just original music, Spotify. But everything usually revolves around my YouTube channel in some capacities. Just my YouTube channel.
0: And so the... Two new singles that that dropped recently, Termina, Translucent, Nick Knock, Industry. Is there yeah. going to be an album for each of those, or are those just singles, or how, what's that?
1: Uh, Termina I will have an album eventually. I mean, we're just like, we're doing the single life. Like, who cares? Like, when it's done, it's done. It's done. Here's songs as we finish. <laughs> kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, Nick Knock, we might throw it into like a little EP that has like an extra song that wasn't released. You know what I mean? But it's, it's the same kind of mindset. just like, I want the song to be special. I don't want the album to be the thing. And then we just have to make songs for the album. I want the songs Mm -hmm. to be the thing. And then the album acts as this nice thing that puts all the songs together. If that makes more sense. Like I want every song to feel like it could be a single. And then here's the Mm -hmm. album, which is more like a compilation, which when you release it, some of the singles just weren't released yet. And you get some of them at the same time. That's, kind of
0: the vibe gotcha i think that's a cool way to do it and much more of a modern approach too like yes people have been obsessed with albums for the longest time but singles are the future yeah i mean that's how i grew up. I, I grew up listening on youtube to singles i, I was not an album dude even
1: growing up weirdly enough that's how i discovered most of my music was like scrolling through youtube and seeing suggested songs so i was like that's just how i consume music myself um it's very rare i find like full albums and then put it on repeat and there are some that change my life album wise but yeah i'm just like i like i like
0: songs so let's make the songs good and then put them all on
1: an album when it's done
0: (laughs) great cool approach i like that a lot Mm -hmm. i tell people to do that kind of thing a lot all right dude well thank you so much for taking the time to be on here with me and to tell us to let us know all of your secrets to spill the tea on all of your songwriting techniques and process and um so i'm gonna wrap this up real quick if you don't mind sticking around for a minute yeah no worries Great guys, well, thank you all so much for watching and listening at home. You can find all previous episodes at how made podcast.com along with merch. And huge thanks to our sponsor, DistroKid. The best way to get your music onto the internet. Once you're done writing those songs and getting them mixed and mastered, the best way to get them on all platforms is by using DistroKid. Check the link For 7% off your first year, and I will catch you all on the flippy floppy. Peace.